Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Welcome the commune. Improv in art form unto itself. The most important thing is don't think. You don't think, you don't memorize. You don't get paid. So true, but isn't that kind of fun? I will tell you, O'Toole, that before I even went to see the movie, I called my friend Hal Peller, who I think you met when we were having breakfast with somebody. Do you remember when we were sitting in the in a in a window um, at Sarah Beth's kitchen, and this guy came in who I you, you knew from way long ago in my history. Oh yes, 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 yes. Right. Yes. Well, Hal Peller goes all over the world teaching improv. Oh. And when I told him that we were going to be doing this fabulous "Don't Think Twice" this week. He filled me with all kinds of cool things. So, oh, um, so I've got I've got tons of really fun things just from the people in the industry. But did you like the film? Where where you know? Why don't you start us off? I thought it was really well done, and I have to say, right out of the shoot, I have always been such an admirer of those who can do improv. There's a great line in the movie where they quote someone who said, "Doing improv." is like assembling the plane when you're already in the air. And I have such respect for the talent it takes to just be so spontaneous in front well, of your live audience. Well, don't you think audience. we do improv every week here? Well, you know, but at least we know which movie we're going to discuss. But I, I think it would be a good challenge for us to do a little improv. If we had our listeners just shout out something for us to talk about, I, I think I'd kind of be into that. Perhaps it plays to my unlove for outlining, you know, if you don't know what's coming next. <laughs> That's so next. funny, yeah, yeah. But I felt that this film was less about improv, truly, and much more about friendship and jealousy and failure and success and all of those things. I, I just didn't, you know, again, maybe this is the second week in a row I'm saying this, like, well, I think I said this last week when we were talking about women in Wall Street, and mm-hmm. I just think it wasn't really about improv. It was about jealousy and friendship, and uh, don't you think more than anything? Well, I wouldn't say it's an either or. I would say it's about all those things, which makes yeah. it a great movie, because it certainly starts with the three rules of improv and a brief little history of how it originated in the 1950s or 60s in Chicago. But what I thought was so great was the okay, interplay. Okay, wait, I have to interrupt you here. You have to tell everybody what the three rules are, because that's not going into yes, the, we're but, not doing it. But no, I think they're pretty cool. Spoiler, but it's a great interplay with all those yeah. other themes, because they give you the three rules, and then it proceeds to be a movie that breaks all three. Right. So the first is say yes. Yes, and. And this just goes to kind of great conversational tools as well. If somebody in your troop says something, you have to say yes, and. It's an additive process. If you say no, it just puts a break on the conversation, and it's hard to keep the improv going. You know, they use that. In fact, Hal Peller teaches improv across the globe uh, in business, Mm -hmm. and that rule holds true in so many things. Parenting, business, friendship, you know, yes is better than no sometimes. Not that you should say yes when you mean no, but you know what I mean. It's it's a positive way to move forward. Of yeah. all those things, I might advocate for the no, perhaps most with parenting. But yeah, Tina okay. Fey talks yeah, about go. it in Bossy Pants. And yep, the second rule, it's all about the group. It's truly a group endeavor doing improv. You can't have someone just going out showboating. And the third is don't think. The movie then brilliantly proceeds to break all three rules. Their careers are told no. It's all about the group. One guy makes it, the others don't. And I put that in quotation marks, don't think. They're all analyzing where their lives are and if they're where they should be at this very moment. 
It, it's true. But again, and that's less about improv and more about when you're all working toward the same thing and one of you gets it and the others don't. Hey, um, we're auditioning on Thursday for Weekend Live. Congrats, man. You know, you see it in book publishing, you see it in movies, you see it in acting, you see it all, you know, all over the globe in anything. Mm-hmm. And somebody makes a big like, I remember going to dinner when my good friend, um, she made a million dollar bonus. She'd gotten a million dollars for her bonus. And she wow. must have been, this was in 1980, I don't know, five. That's she one must have been, big bonus. Yeah. Well, you know, and she must have been one of the first women ever to get a million dollar bonus. And I was so excited for her and because it, I was not in a position where I could have gotten a million dollar bonus. I mean, I was never, you know, in, in working toward that. And she said, you're the only one who's truly happy for me, inclu- including the guy who she was working with, I mean, living with. Wow. And then I sort of came to realize, and I think this movie, it's true too, is you can be more than one thing at once. Like I've told people who say, God, I feel so guilty that I feel so jealous, but you can feel happy for the person and upset for yourself at the same time. I don't think those are, you know, I mean, they're dissonant feelings to have at the same moment, but it can be done. And I think the fact that we think, oh, you're supposed to be happy for everybody every minute and have no feelings about yourself is ridiculous. And number two, I think all these people, you know, were sort of, um, you know, I, I was not in love. I did not. I think the movie had a lot of flaws. One of the flaws that I found was exactly in this point of these people were all too nice. In the end, there was really no ugliness. They never got ugly, not one of them. You they didn't, didn't think? I didn't I mean, think it so, It got no. pretty... Okay, my first question, did your friend with the million-dollar bonus pay for dinner? Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? I treated her to dinner to celebrate. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you go. But I, yeah, and, and by the way, I like that about it. It was sort of like, you know... I mean, it was a huge celebration. I mean, she had worked her tail off for 10 years to get there. But anyway, none of the people in there got ugly enough to really have it be real life-ish. Didn't you think that was true? No, I kind of think when you're part of an improv troupe, it's built-in friendship. You have to be so tight that if they were that ugly towards each other, it wouldn't make sense. I love the genesis of this movie, which goes towards that theme. It was written and directed by Mike Birbiglia, who also starred in it. And he, of course, has such a background in doing stand-up comedy and improv. Four of the six stars in this movie come from an improv background. But he was doing one of his shows, and his wife was there, and she was looking out at who was in the audience. And after the show, she said to him, you know, everyone here, audience and on the stage, is sort of equally funny and talented, but that person's on Saturday Night Live, that person's a movie star, and that person is still living on an air mattress in his tiny apartment in Queens. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when Mike Birbiglia said he could see a whole movie where it was a big, chill type of movie set in the improv theater world. And that, of course is all about friendship and what happens when someone's given that imprimatur of what many people say success, but you can really argue was the quality of being on a comedy show on TV any better than some of the excellent comedy being done nightly on stage. I like your juxtaposition to the big chill. I hadn't thought of the big chill. I thought much more, but by the way, I think it's a really good fit for the big chill, but I sort of thought it was improv's version of Annie Hall. You know, it was very Annie Hallish to me. Did you not see that? His writing, his, you know, sort of stereotypical people in it. I mean, the six people that are in the improv group, 
you know, there was a heavy woman, a thin woman who's sort of shy with big eyes, you know, there, you know, I mean, there was just sort of one of everything. And, you know, but big chill. I like that. I like that. Well, that was Mike Birbiglia's comparison himself. Oh, well, there you go. He's he's allowed (laughs) to. He wrote it, right? (laughs) Um, But he had this quote, too, and I thought this was a great quote. He said, I feel success in this country is often quantified in the wrong way. Americans think of success only in relation to exposure or visibility. I feel like success has more to do with how you're helping people, affecting people, or contributing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting. Very interesting. And he said it was his background doing improv that prepared him to be a director because it's all about collaboration. When you make a movie, you've got the makeup person, you've got the hair person, you've got a lot of people who know things that you don't know. It's a group effort. Well, and the other thing is, I think he was paying true homage to um, Saturday Night Live. And I mean, it was so it was so it driven. Down a notch too. Well, yes and no, but I mean, you know, it was certainly the holy grail of winning, and you know, all the things that you know. I I remember seeing an interview recently with Jimmy Fallon, where somebody said to him, "Well, did you ever think you were going to be doing this?" And he said, "No, my biggest goal in life ever, when I was young, and even when I started to get older, was to be on Saturday Night Live. That was the pinnacle of everything, mm-hmm. and it never occurred to me there was something that could be even bigger, better for me afterward." You know, so Saturday Night Live for a comedian is it. You know, it definitely is it. And, and yet that um, was a very interesting plot point in the movie where they, yep. one of them does not go to the audition. And it does question the quality of the entertainment where bigger is not necessarily always better. It's a great paradox of Weekend Live is was it good? And no, I should well. not have said that in your audition. I think that's all. <laughs> I like my life how it is right now. You can't do improv forever, okay? It just... It ends. I mean, you see uh-huh. the rest of the troupe who doesn't make it. They're watching what they call Weekend Live as opposed to Saturday Night Live. Yeah. They're like, is it funny? Is it not funny? It sounds like it's funny. I, I don't think that was just entirely sour grapes. Well, I think one they of had the things they there. did really well, too, in that moment when they're watching on television, they did great facial expressions without doing words, which I thought were, was a really, really good way to show a visual way rather than an audio way. Mm-hmm. I thought he did that really, really well. So, um, but really, it's about jealousy, self-doubt, and hubris. I mean, wh- how could a movie not be good that can cover all of those things? But Hal Peller told me that the community says is, it, is all a gag about it, all talking about it, saying you have to go see it. It's the best thing ever. I think it legitimizes the hardness of you know whenever you see a mirror of that which you're going through that sort of shows the world look how hard it is you know that's a wonderful thing but he said everybody's talking about it and how great that because an improv life is not an easy life you know um Mm -hmm. and so and how great that we can see a piece of life that you know 99.9999 percent of the people are never going to be doing improv you know so I, I love this sort of backroom look into it in a, in a really closeted, fabulous way. To me, it felt very much like real life. I didn't think, oh, I'm watching a movie. I thought I was really there with these people, sitting on the couch, watching them yeah. perform. And that was the, the Annie that... Hall. All, I think that was also part of, a part of the directing. I think that's one of the things Annie Hall did. You were there. You know, you were in the room. And, but here's the thing. You know the improv scene, and I'm not giving anything away. There's an improv scene where um, they do a bit about an apartment that has a bathroom in the kitchen. You know that, that yep. scene? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't think it was funny in the least. I didn't think that was good improv. So everything you see tonight is going to be improvised. And this show is really all about you guys. So 
We want to know, has anybody out here had a particularly hard day? Uh, I'm looking for an apartment, and it sucks. Why, why specifically does it suck? The only one I can afford has the bathroom in the kitchen. Mm. <laughs> Hi, great. Hi. Okay, so as you can see, we have uh, uh, there's two bedrooms. Lovely. Uh, here is the kitchen. Nice. Uh, there's a beautiful bathroom. Uh, is that a toilet? Yes, that is. The, the, to the toilet is in the kitchen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, yes. who are they? They, they are... <laughs> They, uh, they are orphans. They are orphans. Uh, did, uh, did you say orphans? Yes, the apartment comes with orphans. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Um, uh, does the landlord mind if I paint? Well, you can't paint the orphans, no. Uh, but you can, you can paint the walls. This is the yes. place I was telling you about, baby. And I would love to hear from some of you improv people out there, Hal Pillar in particular. Um, what, I didn't think it was funny. Did you think it was funny? I didn't think it wasn't funny. Yeah, but I didn't laugh. Nobody in the audience laughed. People on the t on the screen laughed in the audience, but the people I was were watching with me were not laughing. I mean, the, people, the theater wasn't full, but I went late on on Friday night. But my uh, theater but, was full. I saw it at Lincoln Center in New York City, and that yeah, crowd so was really laughing. I think they really. But not in that part. My they, they laughed in the movie, but not during that improv thing. And I thought to myself. You could have done better on that particular scene. I didn't think it was great improv. Especially that that's the joke that he later steals when he's under pressure right. to come up with something for television. Well, to say nothing of the orphans in the kitchen, I mean, it didn't even make any sense. You know, what great improv has to also tell a story. And, you know, you, all the things were in there, yes, and, yes, and whatever. But it wasn't. I don't know. I, and I thought to myself, I think this any improv scene should be amazing. And then there were a couple of scenes which were awkward because they were so, the improv was so bad. And I know that was on purpose. But that's why I, you know, it made me remind. It reminded me why I don't like to go to comic night or those 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 bars you can go to where you can see comics do stand up and stuff. I am so pain. It's so painful for me when they don't get it right that I hate sitting there. And I wish I could laugh for them just because I don't like to see somebody fail so publicly. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that that disquiet was definitely in my audience. I hope it was in yours. And I thought that was really one of the strengths of the movie. Well, it's interesting because when you do live theater, it's really an interaction between the performer and the audience. Yeah. So I don't think it's just a joke that you can say the play was a great success, but the audience was a total failure. I've heard from people who do stand up. It's a lot like yoga instructors, too. The minute they're walking out on stage, they can already assess the energy of the room. And they can right. tell if the crowd's with them or not before they've even uttered a word. Um, but, you know, one scene of improv that I really thought was funny was when the one guy is picked to do the television show. So he's no longer performing with them. And the whole audience is clamoring for him. Where's Jack? Is Jack going to be on stage? Is Jack coming back? How's Jack? Can Jack do his skit? And they do that funeral for Jack. They pretend that Jack is dead. And then when Mike Birbiglia steps in and says, I've got bad news, and they say worse news than the fact that Jack is dead, he's like, yeah, they're doing a funeral for him right now up in heaven, and they've got the body. And they look at their casket, and they're like, well, if his body's in heaven, what's in our casket? When that guy opens up the fake casket, you know, they're miming everything, and he says, oh, it's his headshot. <laughs> I thought that said so much about 
so much. You know, it's funny because um, Jack was an opportunist. Wouldn't you agree? He was surprisingly nice for somebody. I thought he was going to be more well, of an opportunist. That, but see, that's what I thought was so good about his character. And I think he helped make him that. He was an opportunist. And there was every reason not to like him. And everyone liked him. You couldn't not like him. Well, what I thought was really well done is that you saw they all had the same ambition. So the minute he made it, they were all trying to sneak him their own writing samples and started trash-talking the rest of the troupe. It wasn't like he was the only one going for it and everybody else was completely altruistic. Yeah, 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 But I think if he had been completely opportunistic, it would have said less about Gillian Jacobs' character that she was in love with him. I thought their relationship was believable. I did too, and I thought she did a great job. Did you think she did a great job? She was amazing, and she's one of the two people that did not have any improv experience, which you could have fooled me, but I heard that Lena Dunham, because Gillian Jacobs, of course, was on Girls, I heard Lena Dunham, who makes a cameo in the film, personally recommended her to Mike Burbigley and said, I think she'd be really good in this. Well, she was good. I think it was I think it was well cast, and I think it's so funny because it's so important in improv that it be a collaborative effort, mm-hmm. and I think it was an ensemble cast that w- that really worked well together in that way, don't you think? It really did. And and the character of Jack reminded me a little bit of Dennis Leary, because this was much like Dennis Leary's real life in Boston, where he came up with all the stand-up comedians, and slowly, one by one, some of them made it. Like Stephen Wright came out of that group. Dennis Leary made it big. So many didn't. But then when Dennis Leary got his show Rescue Me he invited a lot of them back to be on his show. So it was Mm -hmm. that same mix of ambition, but there is true friendship and loyalty there. Wow, interesting, very interesting. Um, So did you have a favorite line? I did love that line where the guy says, Your 20s are all about hope, and then your 30s are all about realizing how dumb it was to hope. But that line about the headshot was really the one that made me laugh the hardest. Yeah, But you know, I, I thought that line about 30s, I thought it was just... Okay, clever. You know, it's the sort of line you're going to see on Instagram on a on an image. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love on, on an image of, of the ocean or something. You know, <laughs> sort of like, oh, really? You know, there's so many of those out there that now it's almost like saturated. But for me, the one that I liked the best was um, this game really hurts my feelings. You pick one person, you say the first thing about them that comes to your mind. Connor, go. You're fat. You're dangerous. You're a little slow. Uh, this game hurts my feelings. It's a great paradox. I thought that was such a moment. I thought it was really, I think the film walks between light and heavy in a really good way, really good way. And that, mm-hmm. to me, was the best line in the whole movie. This this game really hurts my feelings. There were some lines that were tragedy funny because they were funny, but they also, yeah. you could see how they could hurt another person's feelings. For example, when Jack, the guy who makes it, is talking about his audition and he tells one of his troop mates, you know, I just thought I have to get on the show. I have to get on the show. If I don't get on the show, I'm going to kill myself. And his castmate looks at him and says, why? Because then you'd just be like the rest of us, <laughs> you know, a, a sad moment. Yeah. But when you, when you work the way people like that do, I think the moment of realization when someone makes it and it maybe points out to you that you probably are not going to, Mm-hmm. That's a moment in life, you know. It you know it sort of stops your train in the tracks. It stops it at a station, and there's nowhere to go. And um, and I think that was you know sort of so very important is that um, that there is that moment in time when you just know that you're not gonna you know maybe it's not worth continuing to try kind of thing. So 
You know a scene that really broke my heart? What? The scene where Gillian Jacobs is on stage by herself, and she's improving that she's fallen down the well. And Keegan yeah, the one Michael that, when, the one that was up. awkward. That's the one. Yeah. Oh, that's the one you said. Yeah, that's the one where it's like oh. I don't want to be sitting here. And I'm so glad oh. she's not on the. She's not standing in front of me because I would die. Yes. Oh, really? It's, that's you know, what you took away Im- from that you know, scene. Improv that's un- awkward is very uncomfortable to sit in because you are. The audience is part of it all. I didn't find that awkward. I found that heart wrenching. It is heart wrenching, which is why I don't. I, I don't know you well enough standing up on this stage to be part of this intimate breakdown. You know. And yet that audience, I bet, felt like they knew the character of Jack. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, they'd been with her long. But I thought it said so much about quality, performance, and success. Okay, back a little bit to the... Um, I want to get back to Kate McCucci. Yes. Um, you know, she was Lucy in The Big Bang Theory. Oh, right. Yes, and she was so good in that. I remember seeing her in a few... Like, three years ago in The Big Bang. And I'm thinking to myself... She's a really good actor, and she's such an interesting character that her looks, you know, it's going to take the right part. She's never going to be a, you know, Julia Roberts' leading lady, but, you know, she she did very, very well in this in a part that could have gotten lost, you know, could have gotten lost. From her look, she reminded me of the girl who's friends with the boy on Sleepless in Seattle, the one who has the travel agent mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's cutie pie. Um, and she's also the Garfunkel and Oates singer. These people are extremely talented. Yeah, Keegan-Michael yeah. Key, he is a longtime veteran of the Second City comedy troupe. I mean, he really has belonged to the best of the best in terms of improv. Well, you can also see his timing is so good. This is a new program we're working on right now called uh, Cabs for Dads, but my, my critics like to call it Obamacast. Um, really, really good timing. So, um, anyway, good choice. Where did you? Why did we see this movie? Wasn't there a reason well, we saw it? Well, our listener, Pink Man Cat, oh, she was Pink talking Man. about it, and we originally we were going to see this when we were at the Provincetown Film Festival. Right, right. And why didn't and we? It was just a scheduling conflict. Wait, it was past my bedtime. Why don't you tell the truth? <laughs> <laughs> well, right. It wasn't that? It was that? Why is this the one we didn't see because of that? Was that yes. right? Scheduling oh, conflict. You, you are so politically correct. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was too late, and I'm like, I'm not staying here this late. We're leaving now. Yeah. Uh, well, it was so worth a while. But here's the thing: some of these great movies that we're seeing, they're not getting distribution, and we're putting this out there. And why is it that some of these films are, that should be getting, you know, you, you can see the Sausage Man or whatever the name of that thing is, you can see it in three theaters in a Cineplex. You know, all three theaters are playing it, but you can't play this. What's wrong with people? How do we fix this? We've got to start a movement, you know? We have to start a movement. Though I got to say on the flip side, I thought they had a brilliant stroke of marketing Don't Think Twice. And it was Mike Birbiglia's idea, I believe, instead of, you know, passing out your typical merchandise, they went on an improv tour and they did improv workshops. So they connected with theaters locally. Well, how's that working for them? They still didn't get distribution. I don't know. I saw it at Lincoln Center. That's pretty yeah, good distribution Yeah, well, Lincoln right Center, one, yeah, one movie theater, very little publicity around it at that movie theater. Like, you you know, it's Fandango. You have to go search for it to find it. And it was not. it's not a huge movie theater that a lot of people go to. I went to the same theater. And... But it, but also, if you look at distribution, like on Cape Cod, nothing. It's playing in Boston in one place, I think. It's, it's coming to Cape Cod. I think okay, it's just going to be a slower rollout okay. because it, it was produced by Ira girl. Glass. Yeah. Um, yep, it was produced by Ira Glass from This American Life. 
so Mike Birbiglia, he's frequently appeared okay. on This American Life, and they did the 2012 film together, Sleepwalk With Me, which Mike Birbiglia, again, wrote, directed, and starred in, loosely based on his own life of being a stand-up comedian. Well, this so, is one of those movies that could easily get lost, and I don't want it to. And, um, you know, it's like me and Earl and the Dying Girl, another one where it got a little bit of distribution, but not enough to make it a really big, big, biggie. You know what I mean? And what those two films have in common, Sleepwalk they both with won. Me, the audience favorite at Sundance. Yeah, exactly. Really mm-hmm. well done. So for sure, well, we highly recommend it, right? I really, really enjoyed it. And I just wanted to end with a quote. Do you by want to Mike end Burbiglia. with wait, don't, No, when should we be ending with improv? You can pretend I'm improving this quote from Mike Burbiglia. Okay, go ahead, go for it. And <laughs> no, I'll show you, you how to imp- I'm going to improv off this quote, and then you're going to improv off me, and we'll see what happens, okay? Okay. Uh, she's always so uh, enthusiastic about my <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> All right, so Mike Perpiglia said when he was writing the screenplay, and yes, there was a script to this movie. They did not improvise all the scenes. Um, He wrote this line on his wall, quote, art is socialism, but life is capitalism. And he said that was his guiding principle as he wrote the script. Yes, and if you wrote things all over your walls in apartments that you rented all across (laughs) the land, you would have to be buying so much paint to cover it every time that you would have no money to go to the movies. That's my See, improv. Alistair, you're, you know, you've missed your calling. I know. Thank you. Okay. Hey, thanks, Hal Peller. Hal Peller, McGrady improv teacher. You'll find him everywhere. Okay. And to quote the movie, thank you. <laughs> Did you see they even added all the extra U's when they wrote that in the credits? I know. I, yeah, that stuff makes me crazy. Though. I love it. I even love the font. <laughs>